Warning, this episode contains loud noises and jump scares. Humans are storytellers. From time immemorial, we have dreamt up fantastic and amazing tales. Stories of bizarre creatures, distant unexplored lands, events that defy explanation. Our species thrives on the telling of stories. It's one of the ways we make sense of the world around us. Storytelling is a way to share information, communicate messages, and entertain. Folklore is one of the ways in which our propensity for storytelling is manifested. And vast, sweeping collections of folklore have emerged among every human culture. As a species, our body of folktales and other folkloric works is breathtaking in its sheer volume. New stories are told every day, and some of those stories might just become folktales themselves, passed down through generations, told and retold for decades or centuries. As humanity sails into the future, there is no reason to believe that we will lose our proclivity for storytelling. This podcast imagines a future in which humanity has spread across the solar system and set out on a path to the stars. What legends might emerge in this distant future? What stories might Martian settlers tell each other when huddled around the proverbial campfire inside their protective domes? What tales might the explorers of Europa imagine while gazing across the landscape of the icy moon as Jupiter hangs in the sky above? Centuries or millennia from now, if humanity has escaped Earth and established itself firmly as an interplanetary species, what myths might have evolved along the way? This is Space Age Folktales. In today's episode, we will be taking a look at an old Martian ghost story that probably originated in one of the cities near the Red Planet's equator sometime during the 2230s. Many versions of this story exist, most of them passed on through word of mouth. Although details tend to vary between these different versions, for the purposes of this episode, I will be relaying a version that includes the story's most popular and consistent elements. One can almost imagine the story being told for the first time, perhaps by a parent to a child, or by a teenager to a group of friends. Perhaps it was first told within the walls of a glass dome, which were popular sites for stargazing and late-night social gatherings. Beneath the brilliance of the starlit sky, surrounded by a Martian landscape blanketed in darkness, people's imaginations tended to run wild. And when they did, they sometimes gave birth to stories like these. This is the story of the ghost at Olympus Mons. Origin unknown. Many years ago, there was an old science station on the slopes of Olympus Mons, far away from any city or habitat. The station had been built to give researchers a chance to study the mountain's volcanic history in person. It was a small, simple, unassuming place. A tiny building with many rooms clustered together. The station was constantly inhabited by small teams of researchers, who rotated in and out of the station as the seasons came and went. It was on a cold winter day that one scientist in particular arrived, along with his or her team, to relieve the previous researchers. In this story's heyday, the identity of this scientist varied depending on who was telling the story. 
Some said it was their uncle or friend or grandma, while others claimed it was a celebrity or politician before they rose to fame. For the purposes of this retelling, we will simply refer to this character as a man, and call him the scientist. When the scientist and his team arrived at the science station, the first thing they noticed was how quiet everyone on the outgoing team seemed to be. This was strange, as usually outgoing teams were happy to be relinquishing their duties and returning to their homes, which tended to make them chatty and upbeat. This team, though, seemed in more of a rush to leave than usual, making as little conversation as possible and moving their things to their rover with nervous, jittery haste. As the scientists' teams settled in, the scientists couldn't help but ask one of the outgoing researchers why everyone seemed so gloomy and uneasy. Had someone died? he jokingly asked, knowing full well that every member of the outgoing team was alive and accounted for. The researcher hesitated for a moment, looked around, and then said, Not recently. The scientist asked him what he meant by this. The researcher shook his head and hesitated for a moment more. But then he said, A few seasons ago, there was a fire at this station. It was pretty bad. Almost everyone was able to evacuate, but one guy didn't make it. A rookie engineer who was out here on his first real assignment. Didn't get his body out for a week. The researcher hesitated for a few moments more, looking around to make sure his teammates weren't nearby, then leaned in close to the scientist and said, I've heard some people say he's still here, that he's mad they left him behind. Wants revenge? I didn't believe it then. The researcher abruptly turned and left, leaving the scientist standing alone. As the outgoing team drove away in their rover, the scientist turned to his work and dismissed the researcher's ramblings as the tall tales of a man who had been cooped up for too long in this little outpost. The scientist had heard about the fire a few seasons prior, but as far as he'd known, it had been a minor incident, quickly and easily resolved by the team living in the station at the time. He certainly hadn't heard that anyone had died from it. The researcher must have just spooked himself while at the station, and made up a story to explain his feelings of unease. That night, the scientist was awoken by the shrill beeping of the low oxygen alarm on the wall of his shared living quarters. He forced himself to remain calm and take slow breaths as he got up and made his way to the wall, his heart thumping in his chest. His roommates gathered around him as he examined the oxygen meter. Its readings indeed showed dangerously low levels of oxygen. The scientist's heart thumped a little louder as he made his way to the cabinet that held emergency oxygen tanks and masks for everyone in the room. The cabinet was coated in dust, and it took some effort for him to pry it open. After everyone had put their emergency gear on, the scientist and his roommates made their way out into the hallway and toward the rendezvous point near the rover bay. The other researchers thronged around them, and soon they had all sealed themselves in the panic room, which had an oxygen supply separate from the rest of the station, and also contained enough spacesuits for everyone, in case the panic room itself was breached. 
The air was alive with murmurs of confusion and consternation, and some people wondered aloud if they would need to evacuate the station altogether. A couple of engineers suited up and went back out into the rest of the station to investigate. It didn't take long for them to return with a verdict. The station's oxygen levels were fine. The oxygen alarms had simply malfunctioned. As the researchers returned to their dormitories, the sound of the alarms was replaced by more confused murmuring. How exactly had the alarms all gone off at the same time, without any actual trigger? The engineers went to examine the station systems to see what had gone wrong, and everyone else went back to bed, relieved but somewhat bemused. The next couple of days were uneventful. The engineers never discovered the reason behind the alarm's malfunction, but they found nothing amiss with any of the station's systems, so they cautiously put the matter behind them. The researchers' work continued. Small teams traveled in and out of the station, gathering samples and taking readings. Geologists studied rocks, and botanists studied plants. Things were normal. As the scientist was sitting on the observation deck one evening, gazing out across the gentle slope of Olympus Mons and watching the sunset turn the sky a pale blue, he heard footsteps as someone entered the room behind him. He turned to greet them, but no one was there. The scientist stood. Had his mind been playing tricks on him? No, he was certain he had heard something. Someone had been right behind him. He was sure of it. Suddenly feeling a little shaken, he glanced at the sunset one more time, and then turned to leave. As he did, he heard a loud bang from behind him, as though someone had just slammed their fist against the glass. Startled, he spun around, but there was no one there either. As he hurried back out into the hallway, the faint scent of smoke stung his nose for just a brief moment before vanishing. A distant hissing noise slowly replaced it, growing louder and louder, accompanied only by the pounding of his heart. As the scientist walked quickly back toward his dormitory, trying to seem unperturbed, the hissing began to take form in his ears. Not safe, it seemed to say. The hissing faded away as the scientist entered his dormitory. As he tried to fall asleep later that night, the story he'd heard from the old researcher on his first day at the station popped back into his mind. What if the young engineer really did still haunt this station, seeking revenge for his untimely death? He knew it was a silly thought, but he couldn't quite get it out of his head. He was awoken that night by a pounding noise that echoed through the station and reverberated through his very bones. This time, it wasn't his heart. A chill pierced him to his very core as he realized that it sounded like it was coming from outside the reinforced walls of the building. The booms were deep and loud and it sounded almost as though a giant were standing outside, and slamming its hand into the station's metal exterior, over and over again. 
The scientist scrambled to get out of bed and make his way to the door alongside his roommates. The booms continued, and although the walls were as steady and still as ever, the scientist imagined them shaking with each impact. Together, the station's researchers made their way to the panic room once again. Theories and conjecture about meteor strikes and Mars quakes and attacks from foreign colonies abounded. A few researchers prepared to make their way to the station's lightly stocked armory and investigate the source of the noise, donning spacesuits to protect themselves in case of a breach. As they opened the door to leave, the noise stopped and the air was engulfed by a chilly silence that was suddenly shattered by a young voice screaming, LEAVE! The researchers froze in their tracks, and then the oxygen alarms began to blare again. Filling the scientists' ears with their shrill wail as it emanated from every corner of the base. We need to go, said one of the scientists' colleagues. The scientist couldn't have agreed more. Together, the researchers made their way through the evacuation tunnel that led directly to the airlock of a large rover that sat outside just for this purpose. The scientist could tell the old machine hadn't been visited for a while, and he wondered if the team who'd fled during the fire that killed the rookie engineer had used it. We'll travel to the nearest city and come back tomorrow with reinforcements, said one of the researchers. Something's going on in there. An invasion, a malfunction, even a ghost. And it's not safe. Murmurs of assent rose through the air. As the rover pulled away from the station, the scientist glanced out the window and saw a figure standing motionless in the darkness just outside the range of the station's lights, watching them go. They returned the next day in an even larger rover, bringing with them reinforcements extra scientists and engineers, in case the station had malfunctioned, and a few policemen, in case it had been a deliberate attack. The inside of the station near the sleeping quarters had been depressurized, and it didn't take the investigators long to discover why. While the researchers had been gone, both dormitories had been engulfed in a fire and charred beyond recognition. One of the walls had eventually given out, extinguishing the flames, and expelling all of the dormitory's oxygen out into the atmosphere. They shut down the station indefinitely after that. It was never officially closed forever, but the station managers never fully repaired the fire damage, and never announced a plan to have researchers return. It seemed as though having two devastating fires in the span of a few years was too much for them. And the rumors didn't help. Some people say... The ghost of that rookie engineer still hangs around the ruins of that old station. And if you ever drive all the way out there to pay it a visit at night, you might just see a dark figure hanging around those fire-worn walls. Some say you can even hear his laughter through your spacesuit. And if you listen closely, you might just hear him whispering, Thank you for listening to this episode of Space Age Folk Tales. If you enjoyed it, please leave a rating and a review. Be sure to check out our social media accounts, which are linked in the description. 
Also be sure to check the description to see where I got the sound effects and music I used in this episode. Thanks again.